I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, your source for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hill's Max Meyer and the home of the Bader Rank College Football Statistical Model with Mr. Rob Bowen. This is Bryant Conger. Thank you for joining us. It is Bader Rank Day. For people that are following us in the past, we have been going through all the different teams, particularly starting at the top with the Pac-12 teams and, and bringing on guests to, to really review the 2019 season. But we wanted to take a break because Rob's Bader Rank projections for 2020 are out. And so wanted to hit pause and have a really good conversation on what those are. We'll talk a little bit of national news and then we will spend basically the rest of the podcast talking Pac-12, where these teams project in the the beginning. If you haven't listened to us before, thanks for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio at 12PAC Radio. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on any podcast catcher. If you haven't written a review and you like the show, please do that. That would be really, really helpful for us as we move into the off-season because it just gives us some momentum and it allows us to pop up on other people's feeds as we go, um, as people are looking for Pac-12, just any, any type of content when they're looking for podcasts. But with that said... Let's let's talk let's let's talk with you first, Rob. How are you? How's it how's it going? I, I'm good. I mean, I was excited. Like uh, the Friday, I mean Wednesday was the the second signing day, and that wrapped up the recruiting rankings. Um, and that's basically one of the three main variables uh, that uh, come in outside of the model. And then on Friday, Bill Connolly released his returning production numbers, which is the other one. So uh, Friday, I I had the code pretty much ready to go, so I had these out Friday. Um, <clears throat> And uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm jazzed to talk about. It. I'm like, this is this is one of my feel like. It's I don't hang my hat on this model. Like my the in season model is sort of my bread and butter. But uh, this is sort of a this is a, an interesting thing to talk about in the off season, and it's totally necessary in like the first like three weeks of the season where you have almost no data on teams. We're also joined by Mr. Max Meyer, who has recently joined William Hill. And Max, you have any word on your first piece yet? What, what's going on over there? Well, my first day is tomorrow, so oh. I mean, like, I, I'm going to be doing like onboarding before I worry about any pieces. But no, I'll def I'll definitely let you guys know. Um, I'm sure I'll be vocal about it on Twitter when it does happen. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to get started. Awesome. And I and I actually I made the switch because I'm not allowed to bet on William Hill anymore, and so I am now an MGM better. Oh, now. okay, okay. I was I'm really interested in trying Circa and Westgate Superbook. But MGM, I was because I have a friend who places all my bets for me in Vegas. And what was great about William Hill and what MGM has as well is that I can see all the live lines uh, in real time, even though I don't live in Vegas versus Circa and Westgate. You need to be able to be in Vegas to see those live lines. Do you think they're going to change that soon? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised, but you never know. I'm really excited to talk at some point with the guys at Circa because they're the ones that have the balls to set out the opening lines for college football. And I'm sure, you know, if any of the books are going to be the ones that are most fascinating to talk about the line movements and maybe mistakes that they've made in the past or where the public really piles on. And um, anyway, and, and I know you're on top of that, Max, because I mean, this is your world where I'm um, talking with sports books and, and betters all over the place. So whenever you come out to Lincoln City, man, I'll be there. First, first sports book in Oregon. <laughs> that's, that's where, uh, that's where I'm set up, uh, set up shop. So. Uh, in any case, well, let's let's get into this, right? So, Beta Rank, like we mentioned, opening projections have come out. I'm going to list. Well, well, Rob, first of all, can you tell people that are either new to the podcast or just need a quick refresher, like in 60 seconds, what is the Beta Rank model? And by the way, I will post. Uh, we did a whole podcast on what Beta Rank is and the X's and O's and that go into it because this is like a legit model. This isn't something that Rob like puts on a spreadsheet and updates like you know, enter it like this is a very, very sophisticated model. Um, but, but what is it, uh, in, in a, in a nutshell, and then people can listen to the other podcasts if they want the full deep dive. So beta rank is a multi-level hierarchical model built on drive level data for every college football game. Um, and it's, it attempts to break down the, the different facets of what goes into putting up points. Um, and so it's got a couple models that are built on more yards per play, um, and those feed into a, a drive level model that is uh, point more points per drive. Um, so it, at, at its heart, beta rank is trying to tell you that whether teams offensively, defensively and special teams, whether they are going to put up more or less points per drive than their opponent. Um, and of course, then win football games. Um, the projection model, what you see here is an attempt to project what a team's beta rank will be the next season. Uh, and that's based on returning production, which I get from Bill Connolly. Um, it's based on recruiting rankings and I use rivals for that. Uh, and then it's also based on the prior year beta rank. Now, one quick question about the rankings on recruiting, because I think you, I think you put a different little spin on how you rank the teams. Is that true? Or are you just purely taking the ranking um, that rivals posts on its, on its website? If you're looking at the top teams and their recruiting classes. Yeah. So I do it. uh, I don't, I don't know why I say this sincerely and everyone should ask this question. I have no earthly idea why they come up with these separate rankings for the, like they should just, I use the average ranking of the team so if you added up the star stars for that team and divided it by the number of players then that's the ranking that i use that one's actually more correlated with performance so i don't i don't use the uh the ordinal rank that they come out with i use just you know if if you added up everybody on there and then divided it by the number of people how would they all how would they rank out um that's the one i also um I i do a transformation on that variable because and this holds out with actually how recruiting evaluation works. Um, I, 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 the transformation I do in that variable emphasizes uh, the top end of recruiting more um, because that's more reliable. Those guys at the top have been to a lot more camps. They have a lot more evaluation hours behind them. Um, and so those re- rankings are more solid. And it, it actually is also more important getting five stars than four stars and four stars than three stars. Um, but as you start to get down later, like further down into the, the rankings, they're actually a little less predictive. Um, so like it is like if your team has a recruiting ranking, you know, in the 50s, um, 
I'm I, I am not hugely confident that that you know that that's very different from like the 45th best recruiting class or the 65th best recruiting class. However, if you ask me if the fifth best recruiting class is better than the 15th, I am sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're going to list some of the rankings on the recruiting front. So if we say you know your team is 15th when rivals actually post that you're sixth, like there, there's there's a I mean and the variance won't be that big. By the way, um, that's the reason why. Uh, and this is, is yeah. two years average too. So this isn't just this year. So this is the last two years recruiting rankings is what I look at. I could go back further. It's not any more predictive. Um, so I don't I don't include variables that don't add to the model. And like you mentioned, Rob, last thing before we get into all these numbers, because there's a lot of them, it'll be fun to talk about. This is a this is a place to start the conversation, right? Yes. So think of it like this, um, and you're all Pac-12 fans out there. Um, there are things that the model sees here, right? Uh, and I, I have a, a coaching and development variable built in, and I have a time decay on that to try to weight the most recent results. Um, but there are things that model clearly doesn't see. So this is a place like for like sort of hard numbers that you should be able to look at and say, you know, like the, you know, the model thinks this about the team. Now what the model doesn't see are like, like the biggest thing the model doesn't see are coaching changes. And I mean, if you have any major injuries in spring camp or something like that, or a late transfer, this model is clearly not going to see that. But uh, for example, right now the model projects Washington as the best team in the pac 12 Oregon is the second best team in the Pac-12. I'd probably take the Ducks because the model doesn't see that the Ducks hired Joe Moorhead instead of Josh Donovan, and I think Moorhead's a better hire. Yeah. So, say, like, bring your I, – I joke, like, bring your own priors. Like, you know things that the model doesn't. Take into account what the model does know because it puts a pretty good number on that. And then if you have things that you think, you know, along there that uh, – you know, you want to factor in, like, absolutely do that. I mean, but there's, I mean, if your team has relatively the same coaching staff coming back and there aren't any, you know, players transferring later or anything like that, the model is usually pretty good. Okay. Well, without further ado, let's get into the national numbers here. Number one coming in and beta ranks 2020 projections. So I have, like, this just came out, like, Bill Connolly just admitted, just, just put the posted out that his Alabama returning production numbers were wrong and that he pulled <laughs> the air force numbers. So, uh, it's not, I mean, I appreciate all the work he does putting those together, but there will be some, cor- there, there, there may be a correction on this and Alabama could end up ahead of Clemson. So just bear that in mind. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to say number one coming in. Number one, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, sorry. Sorry. Like I, I am dependent. There's, there's a knock on effect with, with this, beta rank projection we are the iowa caucuses of the pac-12 podcast uh, <laughs> team so <laughs> um so like we so number one is clemson number two alabama number three ohio state number four wisconsin number five georgia number six oklahoma number seven texas a&m number nine lsu i'm sorry number eight lsu number nine penn state and number 10 auburn all in order. Max, let's throw it to you. First impressions, questions for Rob. What do you think? So definitely a lot of SEC representation in there, but I didn't hear Florida, and I'm a little surprised by that. They're at 11. <laughs> okay. So um, Florida's, like, if you look at where Florida's number maybe, is, you know, hurts them a little bit from, from last year, it's just that they don't have quite enough um, returning production coming back. So they're um, they're number 64 there. Now, there are some teams further up that are, um, you know, have even less returning production. But Florida hasn't. I mean, they've got a little work to do on the coaching and development front. So, um, again, like 
you might say like, all right, well, they've got a relatively newer coaching staff, like, you know, Dan Mullen's killing it. Um, you know, they may be better than that. And that's, to that is totally fair. I, I was a little surprised that, you know, Florida ended up behind say Penn state or LSU, given how little production like LSU is returning. What else you got, Max? Uh, well, I, I mean, the, I was very surprised here. Wisconsin at four. Yeah. So this is something that the, the coaching and development variable, like, so a lot of, um, a lot of these projection models are really dependent on recruiting rankings. Um, and they're without control, like without attempting to do some extra controls and therefore, you know, the, the schematic stuff that programs do rather well, um, and Wisconsin being one of them, um, you just end up missing out. Like, uh, the, the normal projection model that doesn't include that variable in there would rank the service academies all basically the worst because they stink at recruiting <laughs> comparatively. Right. Um, and, you know, like, and it's very hard for, to, for them to handle. Wisconsin gets a bump here because they have a lot of returning production coming back. They rank number 32 in returning production, um, and almost all of it's on their defense. Their defense is going to be really good. Uh, but they also, they rank number eight in coaching and development. Like, Wisconsin does a really good job with the players that they have. Um, so, they're, yeah, it's, it is a little surprising. Wisconsin, I expect, will be very different in this model than a lot of other projections because I do that coaching and development. I was surprised that Wisconsin finished 10th in offense in beta rank last year did that jump out to you they had a good offense i mean they were there were in some ways i guess you could think of them as being a little vanilla but it's hard because like when you often saw them when we saw them in their biggest games they were going against excellent defenses i mean and going against ohio state and oregon um you know they that that does um that does tend to leave it like the impression that you may get from wisconsin is like oh they weren't that great um you know, and part of it is that we watch them against, like, you know, some of the very best uh, defenses in the country. LSU is a name that pops up, obviously, national title, um, number one offense in the country. According to Beta Rank, the number seven defense in the country. I mean, like, they just all across the board, they were awesome. The thing that jumped out for me was returning production. They rank 125th in the country and 129th. And I think there's like, what, 132 teams? How many teams are there up? There's 130. 130. I'm assuming that, and and maybe this pops up because I was looking at some of the Pac-12 teams, and we're going to go team by team with Pac-12 too. I'm wondering if the departing, like a departing quarterback that just put up crazy town numbers, if that does that pop a team's uh, departing production, or how, how does that work when when a team loses like a transformative quarterback? So Connolly, I mean, he he does a straight up like you know counting you know snaps for the offensive linemen, um, you know for if your quarter I mean if your quarterback took all the snaps and they you know like so it is a, it's a matter of like the if your production last year was you know 100 passing yards um, and your quarter you had one quarterback that threw for all that hundred then you're you're going to have a big fat zero for QB there so he's not doing it in the sense of, is this quarterback any good? So that's, but Connolly's numbers are not on their own. I mean, I, I, so I do something where I, I, I transform them through their, um, I create a mix variable where I multiply the returning production by the, how good the offense was last year um, to try to get a better sense of it. Because if you just look at returning production without trying to weight that by how good the offense actually was, it doesn't give you a great sense. So like for LSU, like it's even worse because they're losing, you know, like 70% of the production, production's not coming back from 
the best offensive beta rank has ever recorded. <laughs> and I mean, for LSU, you, you, you rank with like so low in returning production. Dave Miranda's gone. Um, you know, their passing game coordinator's gone. Like LSU is a big, you know, big question mark what they're going to look like next year. Now they have some great players coming back too, but you know, they've got a lot, a lot to replace. So I, I would expect LSU to, to, you know, they might finish outside the top 10, but they might also look different at the end of the year versus the beginning of the year. I, I just have one quick question, and this is outside the top 10, but I'm just curious. What is the highest ranked group of five team on there? So the highest rank, it is Memphis at number uh, 16. And this is something that this model, again, um, with the coaching and development, catches much more than um, – and so you'll have a group of – like if you do a normal projection model, the group of five teams recruit so poorly that they often end up way under where they finish for the very best group of five teams. So Memphis, again, like the model doesn't see that Mike Norvell is not there anymore, but they they actually return a ton of production. Um, they rank number – no, that's coaching. They're number nine, so they're number 29 in returning production off of a very good offense last season. That's the big question for me with Memphis. They also have very good special teams. They have a great special teams coach in Pete Limbo. Um, yeah. They're, I – Memphis, they're at 16. It is, they've got a little more uh, of a confidence interval around them. But like the team that I'm a little more sure of is 20 is UCF, like because they've got Hypel coming back as the coach. Like they look really good. And they get um, the quarter. Why am I totally blanking? His initials are MM. Mackenzie Milton. Uh, yes, Mackenzie Milton. Yeah, they, I mean, they should be good. When I look at the top 10 here, there's a little bit of like a one of these things, not like the other one of these things, not quite the same. And that's Texas A&M coming yeah. in at, at number seven. <laughs> like what? So I, I understand Jimbo. Texas Aggies. <laughs> Jimbo is lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills right now. Just going, hell yeah. Number seven, man. Um, what, what, how did they, how did they make it into the top 10? So they were de- like a lot of the, a lot of SEC teams, particularly like SEC West teams, they may end up with like four or five losses on the season, but they're actually a good team. You just happen to have Bama and LSU and Auburn and maybe Georgia on your schedule. Like that's a tough road to hoe. Um, so don't, if you get caught up in wins and losses, I mean, in advanced stats, if you follow advanced stats, you're, you know, likely already looking a little bit beyond those. Um, but A&M, they, they rank number 16 in returning production um, on the four year average recruiting rank. They're number four. So Texas A&M has a lot of good players um, that they have on their roster. They were decent last year, finishing out at 31, 16 on offense, 36 on defense. Um, and then, like I said, like they're at number 16 in returning production. They're number 18 on offense. I mean, that Texas A&M, uh, by all rights, should have a very good offense next season. Yeah, and, and with A&M, they had the toughest schedule in the country last year. Yeah, season. they did, Not actually. Not only did like... they have – they had Alabama – Georgia, LSU, Clemson, and Auburn. That's that sucks. That's so bad. And 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 this upcoming season, they don't have uh, they don't have Georgia. They don't have Clemson. So it's just Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. And you figure that LSU and Auburn are going to take a step back. Except apparently not because Auburn was ranked eighth. You said Rob ten ten. Yeah, I mean, and Auburn's a team that. Uh, um... Yeah, so they were number 38 on offense last season, number three on defense. They uh, Some of their projection is that Auburn actually co- – like so, some of the coaching and development, some of the highest-ranked teams in this are actually some of the best teams in the country. Like, you know what? Alabama is very good at developing players. They don't – it's not just that they get the best players. They do stuff with them. And Auburn, they're okay there. Like, Auburn's numbers – 
they were a good they were a better team than people think last season again like they had a tough schedule they had a i mean a great defense but auburn like with bo Nix uh coming back i expect them to take a step like they're gonna have to take a step forward on offensive for that for this to hold up because i, I think they may take a step back on defense with brown going on the defensive line yeah because that defensive line was probably the best in college football yeah and they're they're losing a good amount from that unit so yeah no i'm, I'm interested to see but yeah, yeah. no I, i'm i i mean i know that there's been a lot of talk among future betters for college football that a&m is like the the strongest long shot to take like I, i've seen people like play i think like 50 to 1 on a&m title future odds and and it seems like that they're a team that's definitely uh poised to make a leap forward this guy, i mean jimbo he's a good coach too i mean people forget that because everything i mean ever the wheels totally came off at florida state um if he you know if he could get that defense going um because he he's a very good offensive coach and if he can get that off like if the offense holds up and he can get anything out of that defense then yeah they could be interesting all right let's move to number 10 through 20 which includes the first Pac-12 team. And let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right, we're back talking Beta Ranks 2020 projections, preseason projections, by the way. And we're talking with Rob. Rob, if people have questions, because I know you go back and forth in a good way with a lot of people in terms of advanced stats and where their team is, and if they have any other questions, where can they find you? I'm at uh, Beta Rank FB. I should be easy to find. If you type in beta, like I, I mean, other than like people that may have like a bunch of like snarky beta male profiles or something like that, you should probably find me. <laughs> well, let's get into the numbers here. Uh, we had mentioned number 10 being Auburn. So let's go to number 11, number 11, Florida, number 12, Notre Dame, number 13, Texas, number 14, Oklahoma state, number 15, Washington, number 16, Memphis, 17, Kentucky, 18, North Carolina, 19, Michigan, and number 10, the UCF Knights. Max, a lot of different types of teams and names here from different conferences. What stands out for you? Well, I'm glad to see that North Carolina is ranked uh, as highly as they are because I'm, I'm really high on them uh, going into next season. Like, I, I mean, I think that nationally like people are celebrating the Mac Brown hire, but his two coordinator hires, um, yeah. Jay Bateman and Phil Longo, really, really paid dividends in year one. And their quarterback, Sam Howell, he's legit. So I think that North Carolina can definitely have a big year. And I think that, like, they gave Clemson all they could handle this past season. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can give the Tigers again a run for their money when they uh, play each other this upcoming season. And you see, like, in here, you see uh, mostly, like, teams that were – I mean, there are a couple teams in here that were sort of fringy top 25 teams last season who are just bringing back a lot of production. Um, so Texas is an example. They ranked number 23 in returning production. They were, were super young on defense last season, um, and they had some injuries, so they were not good. Um, they're expected to be significantly better, both of their returning production and recruiting number. 
Oklahoma State, they're number nine in returning production. Um, they're looking good. I don't know what, like, they, they had some magic this season in convincing guys not to go into the NFL. Washington, they are, they're a little lopsided. They're at 105 in returning production. They lose a ton on offense. I, we're going to hit on this anyway, but they bring back a lot on defense. North Carolina, that returning production number, they're number 18 in returning production and number eight on offense. They were good on offense last season. Yeah. So, like, if you come through here, like, and if you look at this table and it's pretty easy to sort, like, you can kind of see how team, you should be able to see sort of how teams ended up where they ended up ranking um, in there. And we'll feature the table like right on the splash page when you go to sharpcollegefootball.com. I'll put the link in the show notes here, and then we'll also tweet it at 12-pack 12 12 radio. And I know Sharp College Football, the Twitter account, has put it out a lot. But you should definitely take a look at it as you're going along. It's, it's actually quite helpful, and it's fun to go through. And you can see it's just very well laid out when you're taking a look at the advanced stats. And by the way, the S&P Plus, like all the advanced stats outside of like offense, defense, and total ranking, like those are all behind a paywall now. So this is kind of going to be your best source going into the 2020. 20 season for advanced statistics uh, like on a on a pretty higher level so um uh, what, what else stands out for you max on that next 10 well i mean we did talk about memphis and ucf already uh I, i'm just always intrigued to see where the group where the top group of five teams place uh and for me like the, i think the, and we were talking about this earlier but a big omission for me because i think that they're the pac-12 favorite is oregon yeah no i mean in oregon's number like they're hurt a little bit but i mean they they do not have a ton of returning production um they're number 88 on there they're number 124 on offense they return a ton on defense and that defense could be nasty but their their coaching and development number is is down a little bit they're at 98 there they still have some holdover from their uh their days um partly from the willie taggart era but also like their offense last season like given how they've recruited they should just be they should have been better than where they ranked at number 21 and the model is continuing to ding them on that a little bit so i would say though the as we talked about the model doesn't see that andy avalos is not the coach there anymore um i'm i'm bullish on oregon versus this ranking they're 27 yeah one of the names that sticks out for me in the top 20 and then we'll get to the pac-12 teams after this is kentucky because they had that one kid that was just running all over the place. And I'm, yeah. I don't, I'm wondering William if the model doesn't quite know. <laughs> That's right. Max, what was so cool about him? Well, I the fact that he was able to dominate as a quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Like, Kentucky lined him up everywhere. And he just he – was, he was so much fun to watch. And I think with Kentucky, with Stoops, that, that the defense has played pretty, like, pretty well over the past couple seasons. And then – before Bowden, like the year before, it was Benny Snell that they were really relying on uh, for their offense. And now you have Bowden, who's just like a jack of all trades, like hyper dynamic weapon. And he, yeah, he's he's going to get a lot of love. And, he, and he's probably I would like, yeah, I'll say a dark horse Heisman candidate because he's going to rack up monster numbers. I just don't know if Kentucky's going to be able to have as good a regular season record uh, for him yeah. to get serious consideration. But he's he's awesome. All right, let's get to the Pac-12 teams. That's what people are here for. So uh, Washington comes in as the highest-ranked Pac-12 team at number 15, followed by Oregon at number 27, USC at number 30, Stanford, number 37, Cal at 39. I was pretty surprised that Cal was that high up there. Utah at number 40, ASU at 56, Wazoo at 57, Arizona at 82, kind of surprising, a little jump there. Colorado at 84, UCLA at 87, 
And Oregon State, my God, Rob, at 99, what's going on here? Oregon State at 90. Let's start there. I know we want to talk about Washington, but I liked no, Oregon no. State last year. So, I mean, like on all of these teams, you have to go through and, like, you have to look at the – and this is what I like about what the model does because fans often pay attention to, like, long-term trends on teams. And so they get in their head. They're like, oh, Colorado's on the upswing. I've, like, heard good news about them on the recruiting trail. And Oregon State was better this year than last year, so they'll be better again next year. But Oregon State was pretty much an all-offense team last year, and they re- are ranked at 123 in returning production on offense. So – Oregon State is, is replacing pretty much everyone on offense, um, and their defense stunk. I mean, they're bringing back a lot of production on defense, but their defense was terrible. So it, Oregon State, like, I feel you, there's there's some good players, there's some good things coming, but you next year, I you know, it's going to be a hard fight to bowl eligibility probably again. Well, they lose Jake Luton. I think they lose Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, I mean, a lot of the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. But with that said, Max, you made a lot of money on Oregon State this year. What do you think about them being at ninety nine? Uh, I mean, I, I think well with Oregon State, like I just my thinking for this season was that I was pretty high on their offense, and I felt that their defense was so bad the year before that even if they went from historically awful to just awful that they were undervalued in the market and sure enough that's what happened and especially like on the road where they were ranked uh, obviously they were getting um more points on the road versus home in corvallis and i just thought that oregon state was already under or undervalued in the market anyway so getting all of those points and then with the amount of close games that they played on the road they were a cash cow uh this past season but yeah, this upcoming one, I don't. The problem with Oregon State this upcoming one is that the Pac-12 North is so much better than the Pac-12 South, and it's going to be really tough for them, I, I think, to rack up uh, conference wins since they're in the much better division. I, mean, I think 99 is low. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I think they'll probably end up somewhere, you know, in the, you know, 60s or 70s maybe. But I don't think that they end up at the, you know. I mean, again, like they're they're a team where they lose so much on offense, like what they may look like at the beginning of the year and what they may look like at the end of the year could be very different. Two interesting numbers with Oregon State was, uh, like you mentioned, Max, going from just historically terrible to terrible. <laughs> uh, that happened. So they finished 86th in beta rank in defense, which I actually thought was a pretty big jump from, you know, like 129th or whatever it was last year. Just so, so bad. So they did exactly what you were saying, and, and we ended up cashing in on that. The other thing that popped out for me with Oregon State was special teams, ranked number two yeah. in the country, Rob. Yeah, they were good. They were really good on special teams, and it it really helped their numbers. Um, and that's going to be that's hard to do again. <laughs> Just FYI, <laughs> like so. That's another thing. Like the model is going to give them a little bit of like is is baking in like a little regression on special teams for them. So, well, let's get into the the higher numbers here. So Washington comes in at fifteenth, and. Uh, just just a couple numbers on them here. They finished twenty nineteen forty fifth on offense, tenth on defense. And Rob, let, let's go through what makes Washington the top team in the Pac twelve um, according to the model. So what really pays out for the Huskies is that they've had with Peterson, they've had good coaching and development numbers, so they grade out at number thirteen there. Um, another thing that really helps is that they're they're at 38 and returning production on defense and their defense was just excellent last year at number 10. 
And they've re- they've recruited better than they have before in these last two years. So they're number 17 in their recruiting rank. Um, so what what helps the Huskies really here is that they had a they had a very good defense last season. They're bringing a lot of that defense back, um, and then they 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 have a track record of, of developing players, at least on the defensive side of the ball since. Since Jonathan Smith left, the the offense has been lagging behind where you would expect them to be based on the types of players they've had. Well, I was going to say, I also think Washington, they were better than their record last year because of their five losses. Three of them came at home when they blew double-digit leads and lost by, uh, yeah, five or less each game. And, And those three teams, Oregon and Utah, were two of them. And then it was Cal with a healthy chase garber so those were like three really strong teams that they were able to build double digit leads on they just couldn't close games and so even though they went eight and five they were they were better than their eight and five record but if you're if you're like the sun that's the sort of the sunny side of washington like the 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 downside here is like the offense is just a huge question mark yep and i don't like don't and don't listen do not listen to anyone that that tells you that they know anything about like because they lose they grade out at number 20 128 in returning production on offense and returning production matters more on offense than it does on defense um recruiting rankings matter more on defense than they do on offense so um like washington's replacing a lot of receivers quarterback running back offensive line like they're just replacing a lot with a lot of inexperienced guys they also went out and hired josh donovan who does not have the greatest track record as a play caller in college so you know that that washington offense is a is a big like i i have full confidence the washington defense is going to place you know maybe even in the top five next season i don't know where the washington offense could fall it could be better than 45 and that'd be an improvement which is where they finished last year but um, are they able to get into the 20s or so where they could be like a really kind of dangerous, fringy, you know, like top 10, maybe a team that people talk about the playoff? Like, I, I genuinely don't know. And, and you should, like I said, you shouldn't listen to anyone. Like, we haven't seen most, we have not seen a lot of these players that are going to get playing time this year actually play. That was the one thing that stood out for me. I was in a conversation, and Max, I'd like to get your opinion on this front, where somebody had basically said, um, where is USD going to replace? Uh, the production of whoever their departing senior is, who was awesome. And my answer was the other three five-star, like elite wide receivers that were on that offense. And um, and ended up going back and forth a little bit with Washington on their wide receiving core. Because I, I think that any of the three, uh, the number two, number three, and number four wide receivers on USC would likely have been a top target on this Washington offense this year, just because the production wasn't great. I mean, you had Hunter Bryant was the top pass catcher. I think he had 700 yards. And then after that, it was Aaron Fuller. And I just, I, I mean, you watch a lot of USC football, like that is an elite return. And we'll talk about USC in a sec, but that's a, an elite wide receiving core. Um, are, are you as bullish on the passing attack with Washington going into 2020? Well, I would say for Washington, I mean, Hunter Bryant's total uh, matchup nightmare. I was I really liked what I saw from Puka Nakua, and he got limited time just because he was a true freshman, and then they worked him slowly into the rotation, and, and then he suffered a season-ending injury. But when he was in, I was really impressed with him. But overall, no, I don't think Washington's wide receiver depth compares at all to USC. <laughs> I mean, USC, even though they're down in these last two recruiting classes, 
like their overall talent that they brought in is is still the best in the conference at the wide receiver. Their their USC still has, if you look across the skill position players, USC has the best players in the conference still. Yeah, it kind of sounds like we're crapping on Washington. I mean, Beta Rank has no, them no, as the top not. team in the conference. No, yeah. no, like like on all these teams, like there are reasons to be optimistic, but none of, there is not a single team on this list that doesn't have questions. And and, and if you're I mean, a lot of fan bases go into full offseason mode and like there are no questions about their team. In fact, like it's like a bad interview where you ask them about their weaknesses and they turn them into strengths. Like, don't do that. Like your your team, if you're a Pac-12 team, has a lot of questions. <laughs> a couple interesting marks here. Uh, special teams, 20th in the country, which is a huge, huge turnaround, I'm assuming, from last year. And like you yeah, mentioned, Rob, yeah, yeah, especially because they could actually like kick or they couldn't kick. They couldn't kick. Could they kick this year? I forget. They could. Yeah, they, they could did. make some no, they, goals. They yeah. kicked well. That's right. Yeah, Oregon's kicker was not as great. That's right. Yeah, I was flipping around for a sec. Uh, and like you mentioned, returning production 105, returning offense 128th in the country. Uh, let's move to Oregon. Number 27 is where they rank out right now. Number 21 on offense is what they finished at in 2019 and fourth on defense, Rob. This is a team that has some question marks, but uh, I think has a lot of upside of, of most of the teams in the conference. Yeah, this Oregon team, they're so they're they're really hurt by their coaching and development ranking at 98. Um, they really need, and I I fully expect Joe Morad's going to help turn that around. The returning production, they're at 88. They're a lot like Washington, and that they have one unit you're absolutely sure about. I actually think Oregon's going to have a better defense than Washington next season. Um, I know a lot of Washington fans aren't going to like to hear that, but um, Oregon graded out at four last season, and they're. They're they're return they're number sixteen in returning production on defense. Like this defense is going to be fantastic for the Ducks. Andy Avalos is coming back, and then just the Moorhead hire. I mean, like they're Oregon. There's a lot. They're they're losing a lot. They're losing a lot on the offensive line. You lose Justin Herbert. Um, you know, you lose some of their you know a lot of their wide receivers. Uh, they're they're going to have to put something together. I I, I however I think Moorhead's going to going to make it work i think that he can improve on where they graded out on offense last season and uh, yeah I, I mean if you ask me today to pick i'd, I'd pick the ducks in the north it seems like they are also dinged on on returning production like you mentioned um now defense they rank 16th so i mean yeah, yeah. that's going to be an elite defense next year it's more on the offensive side they rank 124th in the country out of 130 teams on returning offense max yeah and but I think I was really encouraged with the Ducks at, well, when we were talking with him today, and he was saying that Oregon's offensive line that is replacing the four starters that they're losing is it, it's it's a drop off, but not as drastic as it appears, just because they they've accumulated some nice offensive line depth. And I mean, quarterback is is we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be, but I think Oregon has some really, really impressive skill position player weapons. And I think with Moorhead compared to uh, Arroyo, like Moorhead's going to unlock those guys. And I, I'm I think Oregon, like I think their ceiling is higher than Washington, and I and I like their coaching staff a lot more. But the, I mean, for both of those teams, like. You know where return like it's weird to say because like you know where returning production really matters is in your wide receiver core. Guys knowing how to run crisp college routes and making you know really being on the same page as their QB like really matters. And for both of these teams, like there's a lot. They're, they're like they're going to have questions there. So um, you know keep like I said like on, on a lot of these offenses like keep an eye on where they are at the beginning of the season versus where they end the season. Um, you know Oregon could have a real tough out versus Ohio State uh, to to start out the se- you know 
and they have some, they have some really tough games actually all together. They've got North Dakota State coming for goodness sakes, um, but they're like I I like I like where they're going to be. Their defense should keep them in most games. All right, let's move on to USC. They ranked 30th in the preseason here. They finished 2019 9th on offense, 67th on defense. And here here's the kicker, and this is why we were pretty bullish with Alicia Daratola about the upside of USC. Returning production, Rob, 6th in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they bring back a lot, 25 um, in returning production on offense. And you really, you really like who they're bringing you know, back with Slovis there in his second year, most of that wide receiver core. But they're number seven in returning production on defense. They were so young last year on defense. And yes, they had some injuries there too. Um, and then, of course, like the, the model does not see that Cl- Clancy Pendergast is not calling plays there anymore. Um, there's a lot of knock on Todd Orlando. I still think he's an improvement over Pendergast. Max, are you surprised that they finished 30? You think that's about right? What do you think about the spot there? Uh, I would have them in the top 25, but I wouldn't have them higher than uh, early 20s. So I definitely think it's in the right ballpark. Uh, and then, yeah, just like with Oregon, like I, I think USC's ceiling is high. Uh, but unlike Oregon, I have some, you know, some trust issues with that yeah. USC coaching staff. <laughs> So, but I mean, the, the freshman class was one of the best in the country. And even besides Slovis, I mean, when Alicia, we were talking with her, like there was a Drake Jackson who besides uh, Thibodeau of Oregon, like he was one of the best freshman uh, defenders in the conference. Uh, cornerback Chris Steele emerged at wideout Drake London. He flashed for sure. And he's now going to have an even bigger role. And there was definitely some chemistry there between him and Slovis. So, yeah, USC has has some really promising underclassmen, and it's just it, it really all comes down to Helton and and the schedule isn't the schedule is I don't like obviously you have Alabama and then after that I mean USC should be favored in still most of their games so yeah. it's it's just going to be really interesting to see. Uh, how they fare with another hot seat Helton season. Well, USC at 30 wasn't super surprising. The one that jumped out a little bit was Stanford finishing at 37 or starting the season at 37. Their offense was 69th in the country last year. Defense 83rd, according to beta rank special team 64th. Rob, is this, and we, we all were pretty down on Stanford. Is there spot at 37 here because of the returning production what what's what's floating Stanford yeah. on this front i mean and i i mean you hear we i was shocked when i looked at the returning production at first because i was like wait wait a minute i thought everyone transferred from stanford but a lot of the guys that transferred didn't play a lot um <clears throat> so they're, they're at number um 20 yeah they're number 24 in returning production which is pretty good um number 45 on offense um, number 39 on defense. They're also helped out by their recruiting ranking. Like Stanford's got some guys, like they recruit pretty well. Um, now they're not like Stanford actually does not get a big bump from like coaching and development. Like they get hurt there um, at number 72, but Stanford is mostly built off of Stanford's prediction is mostly built off of pretty good recruiting and that returning production number. Max, did that surprise you? 37th? Yeah, it did. But also, I mean, out of the guys that did return back for Stanford, Walker Little and Paulson Adebo are two of the best at their positions. And yeah. I mean, they still have talent. And I, I'm I'm pretty high on Davis Mills. I, I thought that he definitely had some moments as a freshman. Uh, and I mean, Costello obviously going to Mississippi State 
I, it just felt like that he was a mess because of the injuries, and it, it's too bad they couldn't take another leap from the previous season. But yeah, I I think that there's still um, definitely some areas to like about Stanford. But I was pretty surprised that they were 39 compared to in the 40s or 50s. Yeah, it was interesting. Well, the next team, so Stanford was 37. Cal comes in at 39. And this was, this jumped out at me for a couple of reasons. A, you know, like I thought Cal had a decent season and their offense was brutal, but it wasn't when they finally got their quarterback returning. And when you take a look, the number that jumps out for me here is they rank first in the country in returning offense, Rob. Yeah, everybody, everybody's back <laughs> pretty much at Cal on that offense. And that should, that should pay out um, for them. And I, you know, we, we had really liked the Bo Baldwin hire at first. It didn't pan out. Um, Musgrave's an NFL guy, so I'm a little less sure about what to make of him, but a lot of people really liked the hire. So, you know, NFL people did. I've decided I'm going to take a positive view on it. I mean, I think Cal's offense could take a step forward. The trouble is, is they lose a ton on defense, number 106. Um, and returning production on defense. And that that really hurts. And most of it was in, you know, some really good players. A lot of that secondary, Evan Weaver. Um, and you still have the question. I mean, what really stunk for this Cal defense last season was they didn't have a nose tackle and they couldn't stop the run. I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I still need to answer that question for this team. Um, yeah, so, like, it, it's a total flip from the Bears. Like, you you expect their defense to sort of hold in the decent range and their offense maybe to take a step forward. Max, one of the teams that I think we all had highlighted as a dark horse, don't look out, you know, don't don't keep your eye off a of cow. Um, and it looks like, I don't know, that defense, though, <laughs> it's, it is brutal. Like, I mean, the, the offense, I think, is going to be able to carry this team a little further than they were. But uh, how confident are you that they're going to be able to put together a good defense? Well, I do trust Justin Wilcox and uh, Tim DeRoyter. I think they're two really strong defensive minds. And if there were, if there was like any coach in the Pac-12 that I, I would trust the most to revamp a defense, it, you'd have to go with Cal's. But the the thing that I have, or the question I have with the Cal's offensive returning production, it, it sure it's first. But do you really want as bad as an offensive line that they had last year? Like, do you think that them coming back for another year, like, will there be that much vast improvement in the trenches? Because they were they were an absolute disaster there at some points during the season so i mean i i think having a, a healthy chase garbers will, will definitely do wonders but ooh, that offensive line man it was it was terrible <laughs> what do you think rob yeah no i mean that's a valid question i mean and i that's why i try to weight the returning production so it's not just a you know an on its own type number um <clears throat> yeah there with the bears i mean it is again like it's a like it's their their question marks are they have a new offensive coordinator you expect them to get a little better um i also like with their their defense i mean i believe the, the coach was gerald alexander they're really good defensive backs coach i mean they replaced him with marcel yates and I, I i think that's a bit of a downgrade so like is their secondary as good um next year i mean and they were legitimately great maybe the best in the country last year overall so there's there's some questions for the bears uh this season but with that much returning production on offense, you're usually going to be better. The next team coming in with Utah at number 40, and I, I hear you. Nobody's coming back. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I hear all the cries from the Utah fans here. Um, the number that just jumped out, 100, and I'm sorry, even worse than that, 130th, worst in the country in returning production, 105th on offense, 130th on defense, Rob. 
Yeah, there's no one back. I mean, in Utah, like Utah fans, I know that there's always like irrational fans out there that just expect every year like to just continue to build on what you did the year before. But Utah was really building up to last season with the, how their roster was maturing. And now that roster has matured and these guys have matriculated and some of them are going on to the NFL early. Um, this is going to be tough. I mean, the, the Utes are, there's going to be some growing pains. There are things you really like. I mean, Utah grades out of number 16 in coaching and development. Like they really coach up guys and get the best out of them. I still think Andy Ludwig was a good hire and a, and a big improvement over what they had. And, you know, being in the second year in the system there um, will be good, but there's just, there's just going to be really big question marks. I mean, I think the Utes will be able to put up a decent defense. However, are they able to hang around where they finished last year at number 13? I would expect not. I mean, there's going to have, they're going to have some growing pains. Um, the offensive line last year was te- I mean, terrible, you know, like Andy Ludwig was able to cover up for a lot of that, but like eventually, like, are they going to be able to, to figure that a lot of that out? You know, I don't know. Like it's, it's the, the Utes are the Utes. I expect to be decent. I, I fully expect them to contend for a bowl. You know, like, and it's it's a little wide open in the South, but uh, they're gonna. There's definitely gonna be some hiccups this year. Top twenty-five offense, top fifteen defense last year, Utah, and everybody is gone. Uh, any anything stand out for you, Max, when it comes to Utah at forty? Is that a fair number for them? Well, it's definitely a lot of respect, considering <laughs> yeah. that they have the least returning production in the country. But no, and Kyle Whittingham, we trust, and and I think. With under Whittingham, like Utah as a team that like sneaks up on teams with the target on their back, like Utes are very dangerous. And Alicia, like last podcast, like the she was most nervous for USC, and I, I definitely share that sentiment as well with the Friday night Salt Lake City game. Like that's definitely going to be the game where USC. That's the game where like they are always expected to win, but definitely lose. And I'm 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 definitely chalking that up as a loss on my early uh, schedule. So yeah, I I mean, there's obviously a lot of question marks with Utah, but I think getting Jake Bentley, the South Carolina transfer quarterback, if he, because he had a season ending injury for South Carolina, but if he reverts back to the quarterback that he was the previous season, that could definitely be uh, a boost and set the Utah offense on, on a faster track. Absolutely. And talk about respect. Like you mentioned, Max, basically the model is saying Utah with, Nobody coming back at all with basically question marks on every position but two in the country. Uh, Baderank thinks that they're going to do better than Wazoo, Arizona, Colorado, UCLA, and Oregon State and ASU. Like that, that is that is mad respect for that coaching staff and the program that's being built by Whittingham out in Salt Lake. We have a couple other teams to talk about. Let's get to them right after this. All right, we are back talking preseason beta rank projections for the 2020 football season and Arizona state is up next at number 56 and interesting. They finished 93rd on offense, which is I think something that was just really underreported because there's a lot of optimism. I get it. Like Jaden Daniels is a true freshman coming in poised. He won a number of games. He was able to not screw up in big moments, which was, which says a lot like that, that, that is really, really impress- impressive. I mean, you just look at all these freshman quarterbacks that don't even see the field, um, much less quarterbacks that are like 170 pounds, <laughs> and just was able to come out and put ASU in a position to look forward and be optimistic in the 2020 season, but still uh, 93rd in the country on offense, 39th on defense. That popped out for me, actually, Rob. Uh, I, I didn't know. Yeah, they got to be decent. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a little lower than that. Yeah, they got to be decent at the end of the season, um, and they uh, they 
I, I mean, I would say on defense, you, you definitely have some optimism there. Um, you also have some question marks because now Marvin Lewis is your defense. I mean, you're on your third defensive coordinator <laughs> of the offseason. So there's, there, like, it's like, there's some reason for optimism there. The, the trouble is, is like, not only were they 93rd on offense, they're number 96 in returning production on offense. So yeah. like, you're like, there's just that you're missing. You know, Benjamin's going to be gone. Uh, Brendan Ayuk's going to be gone. Like Ayuk's, I mean, like a fringy first round pick. I mean, to have some very talented skill players on that team and to have that offense be that bad, and they really were. That offense was terrible last season. You know, like what you what you saw that UCLA game was not a fluke um, for that offense. Um, yeah, they're, they're like the the Sun Devils are sort of interesting for me. I think a lot of people are going to overrate the Sun Devils, um, but they're a lot. I mean, they're projected at number three in the Pac-12 South, so there's there's definitely an opportunity for them to rack up some wins. And I think they miss they miss Washington um, and Stanford. Like those are their misses. So like schedule wise, they might they might overperform on their record than they do in advanced stats. Max, any questions on ASU? Well, I, I, I mean, we, we were all low on them, and I'm glad that the model feels the same way because that's definitely going to be a team that will be fading early and often. <laughs> the uh, the returning production on defense, though, not as bad. Uh, yeah. Combined with the defense, that was pretty good. But again, then you have the question mark at the, at the defensive coordinator. So, yeah, lots of things to, to go through. One of the things that I'm curious about is the special teams, and I just, I just got out of it, Rob. What was their special teams ranking? So they were number twenty three last season, and their their punter decided to go pro. <laughs> Hell yeah, early and get like, paid. Declare, like, like go for the NFL draft. Yeah, I think he got invited to the combine too. Like maybe he didn't. I don't know. Maybe you don't invite punters to the combine. Maybe they don't measure that there. No, B- Benjamin and Ayuk, I think, got invited to the combine. But yeah, like he's a he's a legit prospect. That'd be funny if they had just a strict no punters. Like, no, you're not allowed. You're a punter. Like you stay in your corner. <laughs> we don't measure. We don't measure that here. Like you don't need to. You don't need to do, participate in the underwear Olympics. <laughs> What's field position? Anyway, um, let's get to number 57, Wazoo. They finished 2019 12th on offense, 102nd on defense. And we've talked about all the woes that they had in the change, you know, Tracy Clay stepping down and all that stuff, but really disappointing at 102. Special teams number three. I, I never thought, Max, I would live to the day. I would be alive for a Mike Leach special teams unit to be third in the country. Yeah, and it's interesting because they rank third in special teams, yet special teams is the reason why they lost the UCLA game. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, and all the turnovers. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Blake Mazza was great. And, I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, the Cougars, they were just – they were really unlucky, I felt, this season with uh, close games. and But now they have a, a new coaching staff. I'm really interested to see if Max Borgie can have the same impact – in the pa- in the passing game as he did under Mike Leach, just because typically under Rolovich, uh, running backs don't get as great of um, receiving numbers as as they have been under Leach. So really interested to see whether he, uh, you know, is like a, a Christian McCaffrey light at least with a Pac-12 fantasy. What do you think, Rob? I mean, this is going to be a really really interesting team because they lose. I mean, they lose a lot. Um, on offense they rank number 119 in returning production there they're 23 on defense so and, and they have a new defensive coordinator who i think is pretty good he only had one year at wyoming but it was really a, a very good year continuing what the cowboys had done on defense but they like some of some of washington state's number is that i mean mike leach 
consistently got the most out of his players, you know, versus their recruiting ranking. So they're at 20 in coaching and development. Um, the model doesn't see that Nick Rolovich is now in Pullman with all the hats. So that's, I mean, I, the, the model for years has predicted, I mean, since Grinch left that the, you know, the defense would pick it up again and get better. You know, they were the, they were, they managed to even be worse than Arizona last year on defense. They were 107. So, there's only room for improvement. I guess the question you have, though, is like, can you know these these Washington State teams that have been good the past few years, with like the one exception of the year that they were a defense first team, they've been very offense first. Um, so can they, you know, can they continue to to have that kind of ranking? I mean, Rolovich had it rolling with the run and shoot, but that's that is it's not exactly like it's not exactly the same system receivers have to run a lot of option routes in the run and shoot that they don't do in the, in the air raid. So there's going to be some adjustment. Well, and to your point, Rob, they return, they're 119th in the country and returning offensive production. So not only do yeah. they have to pick up the pieces of Mike Leach's teams, which fit his system and he was able to get the best out of them, but a lot of them leave, including uh, another good quarterback on that front. So let's see what happens there. I think this is the reason they're down at 57 was uh, that, that lack of, uh, base really to work on from the offense and if you look at the recruiting rankings um beta rank has them the last two years at 64th so uh, i think rolovich is going to have a uh it's, it's going to be a job to put together wazoo at a level that was where leach was I, i'm i'm curious to see if he can get there but um anything else on wazoo max well i know so their returning offensive production is low but they their receiving group last year it it was really really deep and yeah. obviously you can't feed every mouth. So I feel like that they still have some talented wideouts, but the the ones that obviously got, got the biggest numbers, a lot of them are gone. So, but I, I still think that they should be fine at wideout. Yeah, that, that's very fair. And, and Borgie returns and all that stuff. So it'd be interesting to see where they go. Let's move down to Tucson, Arizona, 82nd. And Rob, this jumped out for me. I thought Arizona was actually going to be a little lower in the Pac-12 compared <laughs> to these other teams. Um, they finished 56th on offense in beta rank, 96th on defense, regressed again under Marcel Yates. Special teams, 97th. Ooh, and Ooh. still have their special teams coach, by the way, which is just a travesty and, and just a lot. I mean, may, maybe they've, you know, he's coaching name only, but uh, really going to need to improve their work on that front uh, as well. Why is Arizona at 82nd here? Why are they ahead of Colorado and UCLA? Yeah, that was actually the real question. And Oregon State. Because, like, that, that's the one that every, everybody takes looks at, like, again, looks at the longer trend and doesn't look at what's going on, you know, year to year. Year to year, Arizona returns a lot of production. They're number 31 in returning production, and they're number 62 on offense. Like, I don't like addition by subtraction arguments, but, like, Khalil Tate not being the quarterback is an addition by subtraction argument um, in this case, as well as, like, they return almost everyone on defense. And you can argue that that's not a great thing, but they're number 25 in returning production on defense. So this Arizona team, like, if you're if you're going to look across it, you're going to look and say, like, they're – they, they don't recruit particularly well. They're at number 59 in recruiting rankings. But that said, like they're they, they should be there. They've recruited better than they played. They should be better than that. Um, they should also I mean, you would already like I think you would argue with their returning production, like they should take a step forward this year. And honestly, like the, the if you're going to be optimistic, if you're an Arizona fan. It's that the the model again does not see that Marcel Yates is no longer the coach. Um, I would expect Rhodes is an improvement there, and almost everyone that graded the tape on Pac-12 quarterbacks actually ranked the freshman um, 
Slovis, and then Ganell, and then Jaden Daniels, kind of a distant third. So Ganell has a lot of people that um, when they went and we actually looked at the tape and not just the fact that Daniels got to start all year, that Ganell had, like, like people really like what Ganell has uh, going for him. So we'll see. I mean, they return a lot of their wide receivers. Um, you know, where they're losing their returning production is J.J. Taylor. Um, but they they return almost everybody on the offensive line, too. So it should be an interesting year in Tucson. Like, uh, I mean, it might be like a hot seat year in Tucson. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. And it speaks it speaks over the program is where we go or I go, wow, I'm surprised that Arizona's at 82nd. That's pretty high. I mean, like, I mean it's, I mean, <laughs> that's about where they finished. I think they finished at like 80 this past. I mean, but the same goes for Colorado and UCLA. I mean, they were both really bad. Football. I mean, all three were really bad football teams. Max, do you think there's any hope in Tucson in the coming year? Well, it, it better be for Kevin Sumlin's sake. <laughs> yeah, especially with the, well, Luckily, I feel like someone has kind of benefited from Chip Kelly's really slow start at UCLA because if, if both Herm and Chip were doing wonders in their first two years at their respective spots, then I think that he would be even cranked up on, on someone. But, yeah, I mean, like I was encouraged from what I saw from Gunnell. Uh, Arizona, I mean, you got you, the linebacking core still has talent. Uh, and, and like Rob was saying, like going from Yates to Rhodes is, is a sizable improvement, even even if – Rhodes has passed his prime so yeah and especially in the Pac-12 South where they're ahead of UCLA and Colorado and Arizona State is is in the fifth is what was 56 and Utah has the least returning production out of anyone in the country so there's hope given that they're in a weak division so yep it's funny because I I get you and I agree with that it and Colorado comes in next at 84th, which is two spots lower than Arizona. Arizona beat Colorado on the road, but for whatever reason, it just seems like the energy and the and the oh yeah the up the, the that upward trajectory is all with Colorado for whatever reason. Even though I think they had the same record or basically the same record, Rob. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I think people again like there's <clears throat> most of it is in the the recruiting and the personnel work that Mel Tucker has done. Um, and he's landed some folks, both from transfers, and he landed, you know, some some better recruits than Colorado's landed in a couple of years. This recruiting cycle, um, I those guys are not going to come in and like blow the doors off um, this season. I mean, maybe the transfers will if they're if you know the ones that are eligible. But Colorado grades out at number they have they're number one twelve in returning production. Some people like I mean their offensive coordinator stunk. Um, he didn't do much of anything with having Steven Montez um, and LaVisca Chenault uh, and the good wide receivers that they had, they graded out at 70 on offense last season um, and they bring almost no one back, but they still have their same offensive coordinator. That wasn't very good. So there's, there's, there's some things that you could say like, all right, like Colorado may improve, but I still think they're a year or two away from really taking a step forward. And they just lose so much off this, this team last year and so much of it, like really good, you know, season production that it's hard. I, I think people, again, like you're not going to pay that much attention to what's going on with Colorado. You're just going to feel like, ah, like there's good vibes. Like, yeah, they will be better, but like they're replacing dang near everybody. Yeah. Max, one of the things, and I think all three of us on the podcast were down on the offensive coordinator last year. It seemed like teams really figured out what he was doing in the second half of the season. And then like, cause their offense was like top 30 and then just nosedives. So we're like, all right, you know, we weren't super excited with 
the the new hire. Chiaverini. That's was right. Not good. And oh then they replaced goodness. him with. Uh, now I forget the guy's name of the uh, the OC of Colorado, but he wasn't great. Like seventy. You have Lavisca Chanel and Stephen Montez. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, I before this past season, like I we said on the podcast that I, I mean I was really down on Jay Johnson and their defensive yeah. coordinator Tyson Summers, and I feel like that they're, in, they're at least coordinator wise they're in the polar opposite. Um, spot as Oregon who whose coordinators we love and like I was saying earlier like that's why I'm really high on North Carolina because not only do they have that young talent but I love their coordinators and I feel like as long as Colorado has Johnson and and Summers as as their two uh coordinators I'm not going to be that high on them even though I I think Mel Tucker can turn it around but he's going to need more time yeah, and to be fair, the bar was so, so low. And I know that, Max, you yeah. had made money on the season win total because you took the over because it was like three or something. So maybe it was just an expectations game where Colorado— Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. I, I, took, I took over on Oregon State. Oh! Colorado. But, yeah, Colorado's win total was three and a half, four, and I, I didn't touch that one, but Oregon State's was two. <laughs> That's oh, insane yeah. just looking back going, oh, my gosh. Um well, in Colorado, like, I mean, Mel Tucker just interviewed for that Michigan State job. I mean, like, he's, he's Sonny Dykes in it. Like, I don't think he believes that he has the resources to, to consistently win at Colorado. And, I mean, the question, like, it's not – I mean, some of it is probably just he doesn't probably have near the recruiting budget that he got used to having at Georgia. But I don't know that I, I think if you're <clears throat> Mel Tucker, like, that you bring a lot of this, your current staff with you if you got that Michigan State job and had a bigger budget to go spend on staff. Mm, no, that's a really good point. It'd be interesting to see if he had gotten that or if he if he jumps somewhere else, who he actually takes with him, because you're going to have the money to bring in some better people. And that might have been the reason why, you know, Colorado. I mean, we've always talked about it, money issues at Colorado and it hasn't bubbled up, I guess, Max, but it just it's it's, it's the vibes. I guess it's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, especially in Boulder. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about money issues? Let's talk about the next team who oh. is running a fifteen million dollar. They had to get a fifteen million dollar interest bearing loan from the university for the athletic department. Well, they're be- approaching. They're approaching Cal territory. I mean, who you 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 should be able to print money in L.A. What are you doing? That is true. But to be fair, it's kind of like borrowing on your IRA where you like pay yourself back six percent. Like, oh, this is kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. Um, but no, no, definitely not a really good spot to be in. Definitely with the, the hire of Chip Kelly. And in that in that article from John Wilner, I think one of the things they cited was just an expectation of the team being better and better ticket sales and better vibes around the program. Ooh. And here we are at 87th. Uh, opening in beta rank in 2020 the offense you know we're talking about chip kelly chip kelly's offense and we had to our credit just to crow a little bit had talked about like i don't know if he still has it i mean the the college game has changed and the offenses that he was running the nfl were a little bit rough ends up 63rd in the country in 2019 97th on defense they still keep their defensive coordinator 32 on special teams which is cool um but rob 87th and what's really sinking this program here to being one of the worst in the Pac-12 as in terms of their projections next year. I mean, what really hurts them is they grade out at 120 in coaching and development. I mean, this goes back to some of the Mora, but a lot of Chip Kelly too. Like when you look at the type of players that they have on their roster, they should be a lot better and they're not. They, they, I mean, like people didn't play Helton for this. It's very true, but UCLA does, um, does less with more than a lot of teams. Um, and there's, 
of all the coordinators that I mean, most of the bad coordinators that you sort of thought like, all right, like it's just dead weight in the conference. Most of them got fired, you know, like Hamden at Washington. Um, Arroyo didn't get fired, but he moved on and, and got the UNLV job. But, you know, Oregon was able to make an improvement. Bo Baldwin's gone. Um, I mean, I, I would argue like Stanford probably needed to replace both coordinators. But Pendergast is gone at, at SC. The one that managed to keep his job is Jerry Asinaro at UCLA. And it's perplexing, to say the least, because they stunk on defense last season at 97. They were really only good at one thing, and that was plugging up interior run. Um, they're great out at 96 in returning production on defense. Um, their offense wasn't that great either. They you could you could maybe say you feel a little better because they're at 33 in returning production on offense, but I don't know. I mean, at least uh, Yankoff, I believe the um, the Washington transfer will be eligible this season um, to to challenge Thompson Robinson. But Thompson Robinson, I mean, really was was not good and does not give you real confidence that he's going to take a step forward. I don't know. I mean, I like I, I had one UCLA fan, you know, when I posted these out, like you know, and I think a lot of UCLA fans. Like, like last year, UCLA fans talked themselves into them being a better football team. I think they're – I mean, everyone does it in the offseason. I don't know. Like, I just – I don't know where you look across this team and see, like, oh, yeah, this will definitely be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, outside – let's say Yankoff is the truth. I mean, what's the ceiling even then, Max? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, they, they're still talent, but – and actually, luckily for their schedule – this is the so last year they didn't have to play Oregon and Washington, and then this year they also don't have to play Oregon and Washington before they have to play them both the following season. So I mean, there's still opportunity uh, non-conference. They also don't have to play Oklahoma again, and they have, I mean they they have to go at Hawaii. And Pac-12 teams have, did have trouble on the island <laughs> last year. But, but Todd yeah, Graham I mean, now too, you know. He's yeah, oh, the used car salesman strikes back. <laughs> but yeah, I mean their their schedule is really it's not bad at all, and that's like the one thing that Chip Kelly has going for him. And, and if they can't even go, if they can't go bowling with the schedule that they have, and I don't think that they will, it, it might be time to pull the plug after year three because that year four schedule is really going to ramp up with <laughs> Washington back in the fold. Like I can imagine, like I if if and I'm an Arizona fan, like if Arizona pulls the plug on Kevin Sumlin, like I mean I'm glad they didn't this past year because I, I I do think you know coaches should get unless it's just a total horror show at least three or four years. But I mean, man, UCLA if you have to move on from Chip Kelly after three years, oh, and I'm sure he's got a buyout, right? Like oh, oh Matt, so. Matt. Like just so like, painful. They they might they might they might keep them like a, an act, a one year longer than they're supposed to, like they did with Steve Alford, just because the buyout is so crazy. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? They already they're already loaning themselves money, and now they got to do it again. Um, well, good times. Uh, you know, got to end on a on a high note uh, <laughs> with UCLA. Yeah, and like I would say though too, like I mean this, this year, like last like last year, we knew Oregon and. Uh, Utah were going to cash in on all that returning production that they had. Um, and it was just a question of what Washington could really do uh, on offense. Because, I mean, I, we had questions about what they would be on offense um, last season. I mean, somewhat on defense, too. They, had a, they, they ended up young and ended up finishing really well. This season's really wide open in the Pac-12. 
Um, I mean, you have some couple clear teams that have at least one unit that's going to be good. You have SC on offense, Oregon on defense, Washington on defense. But, I mean, a lot of stuff could happen with these teams. Everybody's got big question marks this year because nobody's got a ton of – like nobody's other than SC has a, just a ton of returning production. It's It will be such a fun conference, and we should talk at some point about the position the conference is in because, my goodness, all these other conferences are just raking in money, and the inability for teams to be able to dig out of a hole like Cal or UCLA, that you get another buyout, then, they gotta, like, then they're going to be cheap on their offensive and defensive coordinators. Like It could be a real mess in the conference, so we're definitely going to keep an eye on that. We did this a lot two years ago, Rob, but like, I just didn't want us to be so Debbie Downer on the conference, but it is in a real precarious spot. So um, just, just something to think about as we move forward. And as we talk in the off season, we'll have a lot of time to go over some of those issues, but uh, Max, where can well, we, we should get, we should get some, one of the guys that covers the conference from the financial standpoint on at some point, because I think that's worth talking about because it's, it's really stark. The PAC 12 starts negotiations on its new contract TV contract this year. Yeah, we should. I think it's Canizaro. I, I think Wilner thinks that, like I am not a Sean Miller fan, but I asked Wilner one question about like, hey, what's the details on this thing? And he like lumped me in with the fifty thousand Arizona fans screaming at him that they didn't commit an FBI like investigation in violation. So um, I will try to maybe patch things up with Wilner too. And uh, um, well, I, I mean not patch things up, but let him know that you know it was it was asked in in good faith. And like, help me help you, John. Like we Arizona <laughs> clearly did something bad. Help me help you. Yeah. Um, in any case, yeah, that would, that would be a good idea. But, um, Rob, one more time, where can people find you? I'm at Beta Rank FB. Awesome. And, Max, you are going to have a ton of new stuff out. Are you? Do you still have the same Twitter handle? How where are people going to be able to find your content? Yep, same same Twitter handle, at the Max Meyer. Very happy I, I didn't put an SI anywhere in there because it's a whole process, apparently, to change your Twitter handle. Like, you lose your verification uh, and then you have to apply for that again. And I don't want, like I got mine randomly and I've, and I didn't have to apply for it. So I don't want to have to do that. So it will be at the Max Meyer forever. Right on. And your first piece is now you're probably going through the, the videos on like, you know, don't yell at your coworkers, like send nice email, you know, all that stuff to get, uh, but yeah, when, when does not, your first stuff come out? I'm not, I mean, I honestly, your guess is as good as mine for when um, my first piece will be coming out. But I, I mean, I'll probably, Especially since I'm not doing the college basketball picks with three man weave anymore, I'll probably be like tweeting out like uh, write ups for my best bets. And yeah, but no, no idea when my first uh, bits of content will be out. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and stay tuned. We will continue recruiting weekly throughout the off season. Thanks for everybody that uh, has shared the podcast and please write a review if you like our stuff. We will catch you next week.